Hello, hello! Welcome to Confidence to Cabaret, the podcast. I'm Heather Jean, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. We are talking on this podcast all things confidence. So whether that's your personal life, work life, or stage life, or wherever you want to grow confidence, then we look at different topics that inspire or inform confidence. And today, I'm so excited to be joined by Emmy Peterson, the uh, the the midlife, the mid career, I should say, not midlife necessarily mid-career coach, um, helping uh, career professionals to be able to navigate any change or any growth or transition or find what they want to do and, and change to that. And we're going to be talking a lot about, you know, the confidence to back yourself and, and, and make those transitions that we all at some point in our life need to be making. So if you have a fear of maybe feeling silly or you have a fear of failure, we're going to talk about that. And we are going to be, um, you know, really thinking about how you can uplift your confidence in your career, whether that's in your own business or whether that's in a, a full-time job or a bit of a mix. So please welcome the wonderful Emmy Peterson. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are you? Oh, I'm so well. How are you? Yeah, great. Thank you. Great. Good. Good. Now, you, your business is Bridge Coaching. Yeah, the bridge coaching, that's right. Bridge yeah. coaching. Lovely. And we're going to talk a little bit about how you came to that. And because you've been through a transition as well in your career, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, I've been in the coaching space since 2013 now. And I actually found career coaching way back then because I was looking for a career coach for me. Um I was feeling a bit unfulfilled. I wasn't really sure what to do next. So I started to look for coaching opportunities and funnily enough, found a school that taught coaching. And I was like, wow, this is something you can actually do for work. Um, and for many years, I did coaching part-time. And recently I've stepped into full-time coaching, which is my true passion. And yeah, like exactly like you said in the intro, I get to help people who are mid-career, typically 35 to 45, sometimes late 40s, just navigate that time and go, what the heck do I do now? <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because I I um I I said midlife and 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 often you know that those ages that you're talking about are are kind of mm. that that midlife in in context of career, mm. but it's it's interesting to me um in when I've been working with corporations, which was predominant. I mean, I've been I've had my own career coaching business for over 26 years now, but. What I found right before COVID was that that mid-career started to happen younger. Mm. Yeah, because, I agree. You know, you know, millennials, whole different uh, generation than, you know, um, Gen X and whole different generation again to Gen Z or Gen Z, depending where you're from. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that, that kind of different way of looking at things, a mm. lot of young people don't necessarily know what they're getting into and then when they figure it out they go aha I need a mm. career change and I think you're only in your 20s or early 30s what is happening I know right <laughs> yeah so look it's, 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 it's such an interesting thing career and I think we're living in a time now obviously post-covid we're seeing this new normal we're seeing this new level of flexibility in some industries and I think it's led a lot of people mid-career or not to really think about what they want to do, how they want to work, what leaders they want to have around them um, and beyond that like what do we do want to do outside of work and career coaching is interesting because it's obviously about building your career, your skills and your your path and setting goals but it's also being very clear on what we don't want and what we want to make room for outside of our work. So I find a really interesting part of goal setting for careers is to also have a really clear view on what you're looking for outside of your working life. Um, yeah, and, and, and absolutely like you're describing that kind of people who are quite young still who are getting into jobs and, and just starting to really evaluate like, oh, I went to uni to study this thing. I've done it for a few years. It's actually not quite what I thought or what I wanted or my parents said I should explore this area and it's not really for me. Um, and I guess where mid-career coaching is really fascinating is the people who might have gone down that path. They're really good at it. The passion, the laughter, the thing has left and now they're left with the feeling that they don't really know what to do instead because they've been doing it for so long. 
Um, and that can be a really tricky space to get out of without without some help from from someone. Yeah, and it, it's it, I guess it depends where you live because I'm from Canada. Mm -hmm. So when we go to university, we don't declare a major until two years into a four year baccalaureate. Mm -hmm. So and and our and our whole degree cannot be based around that subject. Mm. So, you know, you have a context for your subject and sometimes you find that you took a course and you ended up loving it and off you go mm. in that direction. Where I'm in the UK right now, and I know you're in Australia, so I'd be interested mm. to see what the difference is. In the UK, it's a very exam-based system and you take exams and when you're 16, you take exams when you're 18 and whatever you've done well in is what you continue into. So I work mm. with a lot of people in, you know, um, let's say accountants, for example, is, is a very common one where they were good at maths and then that continued and then yeah. they became an accountant. Now they have a children, they have several children and a mortgage and a, you know, all mm. of these bills. And then how do you navigate to come out of that? Mm. That's a great question. And, and I mean, yes, the school systems are different. I'm originally from Sweden, which is where I went to uni um, and lived up until I was 19. And then I, I've moved and traveled a lot before I ended up in Australia 12 years ago. But I do think it doesn't matter so much where you've gone to school, because I think that problem, I'm starting to see it pop up because I have clients globally. And it's quite interesting. I'm starting to see the same kind of um, theme that you described come up in a lot of different age groups. Um, but I think to answer your question, I think it's really important for people who are starting to feel, and by the time someone verbalizes that they're not quite happy or it doesn't sit quite right, they've usually thought about it internally and almost decided that they've got to do something about it. So the internal dialogue has probably been going on for, in some cases, for years by the time they come and have a, a discovery call or something with someone like you or me, where they're like, okay, where do I, where do I go now and where do I start? And yeah, and, and that's essentially what I really love about doing some really, because it's not a quick fix coaching thing, right? You're mid-career, you're mid-life perhaps. I mean, I'm 40 now. I, I recently went through a big transition out of sales and marketing to fully focus on coaching. Um, and as much as I've enjoyed having that presence in the corporate world and understanding what a lot of my clients go through, it's really important sometimes to make those pivot decisions and to back yourself, which is really what the confidence piece is all about. You know, yes, you might still not be successful straight away. It might take longer than you think. It might not be that famous staircase of beautiful, you know, yeah, I'll take this step and then it'll all work out. It's that whole thing, you know, success and failure is a, it's a myriad of ups and downs, you know. Um, and I think being able to back yourself though and develop the skill to do that um, and have that confidence even when things don't go to plan, it's, it's a true life skill that we sometimes lose with age. You know, kids are so brave. Teenagers can be so brave. And then at some point, many of us lose that willingness to, to fall or the willingness to, to risk the fall. And that's when we stop taking chances. And that's also when we get really stuck. Or at least I've seen a lot of that. So, yeah. yeah, I think I think uh, so. My role model, my my father went back to university in his forties, which was mm. unheard of. Like you just did not do that. There was no distance learning. There was no you have to quit your job and go to university. Full wow, time. that's great. What a it's what a step. Crazy. And so they remortgaged the house and you know tightened all the purse strings to to completely change career. And there was nobody. You know he was. 25 years older than everybody else on campus you know mm -hmm. he was the same age as some of the professors you know so what was interesting about that was that he took that risk of mm. you know mortgaging the house and putting himself in real financial jeopardy he had to work you know night, night jobs and things to mm. you know make ends meet um and i think a, it's quite a position of privilege to be able to do that because a lot of people wouldn't either want to take that risk or just can't take that risk. So mm. what happens if somebody comes to you and they're in that position where they, for whatever reason, feel unable to take that risk? Is there, is there a way through anyway to, to yeah. deal with it? Absolutely. And I think this is the, the ethical piece that's really important when you're working with a coach. Like as a coach, you have to see, you have to provide healthy and sustainable advice, you know, like obviously you're there to guide the person's own thinking. You're not there to tell them what to do. 
Um, and at the same time, you have to be really mindful. So in my coaching, I often introduce a conversation around finance simply for the reason that, you know, first of all, coaching, as you know, is completely confidential. So nothing leaves that room anyway. But the clarity around what's your financial situation, because that is and also your obligations to other people around you. Um, but I have, I, I guess I have two different answers to that question. So uh, if someone comes to me and they're in that situation, similar to your dad, um, I would, you know, I would first of all say, like, are the other people in your life on board with the change that this is going to mean? You know, is your partner, is your, you know, kids or whatever else you've got going on in the world, is, has, is everyone rallying around and understanding this decision that you're wanting to make? Uh, sometimes the answer to that is yes. And if people are willing to do what your family went through, and I'm, I, I trust your dad was a lot happier for it, even if it was a struggle for him, yeah. then, you know, seeing someone, you know, happy, happier in their life, absolutely. Um, the other thing, which is the more common approach for a lot of people is a either a, what I call the soft landing job. So the soft landing job is most important for someone who might be in a very toxic or a very uncomfortable situation at work where they simply have to go, but they don't know, they can't do the full move yet, or they can only kind of partially do the move. So a soft landing job can be a really good way to gather your strength, get your confidence back, catch a breather. So it could be, um, I often talk about jobs that are great or brilliant, like your best ideal job ever. The things that are okay, which are like, yeah, I can do it for a while, but it's not my dream, and but it's also not harmful to me. And there, then there are the jobs that are not okay, which is the third category, which is essentially jobs that you would never do or companies whose values you just can't stand for, uh, and therefore you'd never work for them. So quite often when people come to me, especially if they're in the third category, so they're not well, they're not doing okay, and they need to leave for whatever reason, then we start exploring the great category and the good category and try to nudge them across to a space that is safe, a little bit more comfortable, where they can regain their strength and confidence and build towards the ultimate end goal. Because let's face it, it's kind of like when we're injured, we can't you know, train for, for an Olympics <laughs> when we're injured. We need to recover. We need to regain our strength. And for some people, you know, we need that. Um, we were chatting before before about, you know, there are other circumstances in our lives too, not just our work that we need to, to take into account. So the soft landing job can be a really helpful strategy for people who need a segue or need a stepping stone. Yeah, that's 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 wonderful advice. And I think you know, for, for some people, that's the bit that gives them the opportunity to see whether this is for them or whether, you know, get, get yeah. a little bit of a taster. Um, and I'm thinking about, you know, a, a lot of people listening to this podcast will have their own their own business, whether that's mm. a side business and then they have a full-time job or or whether, you know, and they, and they maybe want to trans, transfer into that full-time mm. um, of their own job. Uh, I mean, the, the whole... Um, great resignation as it's being called mm. is, yeah. is is a is a whole I, I mean it's it's a it's a minefield because you know I, I had a business for 25 years before I started online and it is not the same like and 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 yet they were both businesses right I wasn't I didn't have like a, a secure paycheck yeah. I wasn't you know mm. uh, that had been a very long time since I'd worked for another company full-time but but it is very different being online. Mm. And people, you know, they hear about, you know, having a 10K month and having, you know, all of this freedom and having all of these things are very attractive, perhaps. Mm. But the reality is very different when you get into it because you really, you're exposed in very different ways. And I, I, I'll give you an example, Emmy, and then, and then I, I'd love for you to, to kind of share your experience. My, yeah. for me being in the corporate world and being a training consultant and coach for businesses was very masculine energy mm. right doing driving competing you know results all those kind of words and and that suited me and then COVID hit and then I had to face all of the feminine energy of creativity and intuition and things like copywriting and putting yourself out there in a very different way than you do in what I call the corporate uniform, you know, where we're, we're in, it, it, we, we, we're covered with, you know, what, what we're there to do and how we're meant to look and all of those things. Um, and it's, it's very, very different when all those rules are gone and you have an online business. Mm. Have you noticed 
that that kind of difference either for yourself or in your clients? Oh yeah. Um, definitely. It's, it's a great conversation. I haven't had this exact chat with someone. So I'm glad, I'm really glad you're bringing it up. I do think people who have awareness around that masculine feminine, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners do, but I think a lot of people don't really have language around that or are not able to label different types of activities. Um, and which kind of bucket they would go into and also why you might be feeling drained by certain things or out of out of your depth with certain things. Um, I think for me, I, I don't mind the blend between the two in running your own business. I'm, I'm, I think I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I was one of those kids who sold, you know, lemonade stalls and did the things and, you know, sold, um, sold Christmas magazines and all that kind of stuff back home. So I always had a little, little hustle going like a side hustle going. So I was always very creative and looking for, for business ideas. Um, and I like that creative element, but I do agree with you. I think the biggest shift is probably that the definition of corporate, like what does corporate look like, sound like, because we're hearing all these things now about like empathy and, you know, rather than talking about employee retention, which is still a language we, we, especially in our fields hear a lot. It's not so much about retention anymore. It's about the feminine side of that, which is how much do you care? How do you show that you care? What is flexible? What does flexibility look like? And then on the perhaps more masculine energy side, how do you measure that? You know, how do you quantify? Like, what's the output from flexibility? So I think we're living at a really interesting time where all that stuff is a little bit muddled. And for all the entrepreneurs out there or people who have a quote unquote day job, but they want to lean into their own business. Now is a great time to do that and still have the awareness that you still need structure. Like just because you're not no longer working in an office, you know, I have my days when I do like creative time pockets and then I have times when I need to sit down and do accounts and do this and that. And especially if you're a one or two man band, you know, you've got to wear many hats in, in your week um, and absolutely dip back and forth uh, the things that, that you're you're describing. And finally, I think the biggest change is that you're literally working with people from your couch, living room, bed, spare bedroom. Um, you know, for a while, Australia, Melbourne, where I live, had had some of the harshest lockdowns in the world, which meant that literally the whole family was in lockdown, like the kids were at home, the parents were at home, the Wi-Fi was running slow. And I think that muddles those lines a little bit as well. Like, how do you sit and do a really corporate sounding training or meeting when you're actually in your slippers and pajama pants with a nice shirt on? which was the truth and the reality for a lot of people. Um, and some companies took that and, and made it a bit playful and, you know, use that in their social media. And, and a lot of others just kind of, you know, covered up a little bit, which I think, you know, it does interesting things to culture and it does interesting things for, for people's perceptions. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. And I think I... I I purposely don't, I, I have an office and, you know, all the bookcases and all the stuff in the background because mm -hmm. I, I had to, to run webinars for, for corporate, you know, I, I couldn't be on my sofa, not really, uh, because they were all in office spaces. And yeah. of course now they're all at home. It's quite different. My brand yeah. confidence through cabaret is much more casual and comfy and mm. let's, let's really get into talking about it. And, and for corporate clients, that can be a little bit difficult, especially online, because there's no, you, oh, yeah, yeah, there's that distance. And I think um, I knew where I was in corporate, like I knew how to behave. Mm. And then when you go to your own home business or your own home working, then it the, the rules, as you say, are so different now. And I think, I think, you know, it's it's being mindful of that. If you if you are working in a full time job, you're mm -hmm. upholding the values and and the you know commitments that you have to that employer and then and then you've got your own brand values so you're almost there's a real duality there and mm -hmm. i think a lot of people get muddled right there with like how do i create my own brand that is so different to the corporate you know kind of patriarchy rules um, and yeah. I love what you say about, you know, having structure in your day to say, you know, this day is for my podcast or this day is for my finances or mm. this day is for my social media planning. Um, and actually, funny enough, I started that way because that mm. makes sense to me. Uh, and I f and I found for my own personal brand, I didn't 
enjoy that structure. Mm. So I would do, you know, Mondays was for social media. I did schedule the whole week and I, I found it just didn't work for me. I liked the more kind of fluid kind of, you know, thing. Mm. And, uh, and which is further evidence that I'm fully at unemployable now um, in, a, in a capacity <laughs> as, as we end up becoming. But um, I think, you know, when you're talking about making transitions, that um, that whole kind of fear of what happens if I do start to, you know, choose my own path and, uh, you know, I might fail, right? This is way safer for me to have a, a corporate rule to follow or a structure mm. to follow because I'm less likely to fail and we're also afraid of failure. So oh, massively. <laughs> massively. <laughs> right? That's why I did the structure. It was like, right, if I do Mondays, then I could tick the box and say, I have done all of my social media for the, the week and it's, you know, and, mm. so, and, and so on. And I uh, and I found because it, uh, it took me a while to get to, to grips with, you know, letting go of that concept of failure. Mm. I'm like, okay, that I fail today. I fail every single day yeah. in some way. And I'm okay with that because I've yeah. redefined what failure is. So let me ask you, what is your definition, Emmy, of failure? Um, that's a really great question. I guess for way of background, I'm a somewhat recovered perfectionist. So I used to have very high uh, and very stringent definitions for myself, not for other people, mostly myself about, you know, what standards look like. And I remember at school, I, you know, I used to often, if like, if I didn't get the highest grade, that would feel like failure or my old definition at the time of failure. And it was funny because my parents were both very accepting and very encouraging. So, you know, my therapist and I have gone down that rabbit hole to find out why, you know, why that definition was the way it was. And, but I think it's really interesting. I think, I think failure, I have a complicated relationship with that word as an adult anyway. I think, I think the concept of failing forward is a very helpful one, meaning you're, you're kind of failing slash learning forward, right? So you tried something in your business or something else, or you ran a social campaign or something and it didn't work or your technology broke down or something and you and you learned that, oh, dang it, next time I have to practice more or next time I have to, whatever that thing is. So the whole concept of failing forward, I think is really, is really useful um, or learning. Um, another great example, when I first started out in coaching, I was focusing a lot on expats, but it was challenging at the time because expats moving countries obviously have a gazillion things that they need to deal with. So I ran quite a few campaigns in my first year of business back in 2012, 2013, focused on expats because as an expat myself, I knew they needed the thing. But the failure slash the learning was that to connect with them at the right time was extremely difficult. So the product offering I had at the time was a quote unquote failure because it didn't quite solve the problem there and then because the people didn't know that they needed it. Now, because luckily I was working at a, with a coach at that time myself, I was able to have healthy language around what the failure slash learning actually meant. Um, so I guess my definition is a long-winded way to answer your question. My definition is a learning about what didn't work that time with those resources. Yeah. So it's not about you. It's not about anything you did wrong. It's the time and the resources and the, the, the where you are at. It's mostly a timing and a resource issue. Um, but, you know, I think this is where we go back to confidence is the fact that to be able to do that and know that it's not you that failed it's the idea or the creative craft or the project if you're in corporate it happens all the time right you pitch or deliver something and someone's like oh that didn't quite hit the mark it was either timing or resources most often it's very rarely you <laughs> and um I, I think that's how I think about it. Um, I, I, I am now intrigued to write a blog post and unpack this a little bit more. So I'll let you know how I go with my more tight <laughs> definition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, and I think it's, it's, it's an interesting one because how we store language is so mm. important and how we, how we um, uh, I relate our identity to it, I guess. Yes. You know, that, you know, what you're talking about is, is that what I did was a failure, 
not I am a failure. And there's a really strong difference between those. And that is so important how we internalize words like failure. Because to me, failure is not a bad thing. Mm. But, you know, like I say, I fail every day in some way, but I don't feel like a failure. I am not a failure. And I think it's an important distinction that you raise there. So um, in terms of confidence, mm -hmm. let's let's talk a little bit more about having that yeah. confidence <laughs> the sense of failure or to change our, our definition or association with it or our beliefs about it or all those things. Where does confidence come from for you? Um, I think confidence for me is very rooted in self-esteem, which is so uh, the way I see confidence is, is a lot around my belief in my ability to be able to do something. So you can be a confident speaker, you can be a confident writer, you know, what insert skill here, marketer, you know, I've spent a long time in marketing and sales. Um, for me, when healthy confidence comes from healthy self-esteem and your self-esteem in my book is really just your relationship and your belief in your own self, your worthiness, your base worthiness factor. So I find that I'm more able personally, and I see it in my clients all the time too, when you have a higher, healthier relationship with yourself, so a higher self-esteem, your confidence becomes easier to have a dialogue around because your confidence is more about your ability to do the thing, not in who you are, which is the distinction you said before. So for example, a lot of people, I coach a lot of people about job interviews, which is the perfect storm, right? Because like you're nervous, you're online, you know, you've got a whole panel of Zoom faces sitting there looking at you. You've got to say the perfect answer. And, you know, so, so confidence um, confidence in interviews is much like public speaking, you know. I bet if you put like on the top 10 things people hate or are afraid of, I bet it would be right up there. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's really interesting. Confidence, I think, comes from um, a belief that I have taken on for a long period of time, which is whatever happens, I can handle it with the right help by my side. And it doesn't mean that I'll do it perfectly. I'll probably, like you say, I fail all the time. I get things wrong all the time because that's what, what it's like to be human. But I believe that I can get through the thing. And I think that has always given me a baseline of confidence that I try to lean on when things feel shaky or hard or I want to cry or I do cry, you know, because, again, we're only human. So that's that's where confidence comes from from me but it's not an uncomplicated thing because when we experience certain things or same for me as a coach i'm very aware of all this stuff i still get triggered all the time you know that little voice in our head that goes who the heck do you think you are to be interviewed on a podcast or do this thing like who, who's going to listen to you no nah, nah, nah. like that voice we all have it and i think confidence or self-esteem as well is just the ability to go thank you voice i see where you're coming from but you're not helpful right now. So thanks for the flag. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I, you know, uh, I, yeah, that, that I, I talk about that as the imposter voice. Um, mm. And, and, and it, that is such a great technique to being able to say, thank you. I'm good. Mm. I got this. Um, I, and I was actually a little bit triggered there when you said about um, whatever happens, I can get through it with support and resources. I'm paraphrasing mm. now, but mm. um so I'm I'm right there with you going, I can get through this. And then you're like, uh, with support or resources. And I was thinking, okay, so my soloist, which is the archetype that I identify most strongly with in my imposter mm -hmm. voice, is going, so, but I don't like to accept help. I don't like help when it's offered. I don't want to ask for help. And there's a whole lot of stuff going on behind that mm -hmm. about what will people think and, and lots of things. And I am fully in control of that voice now. Uh, and I do accept help, but it isn't natural for me. It's not a it's not a really strong uh, track record with that. That's that's mm. just since COVID because I had to have help. Um, mm. And and so it's funny because we hear those little things, and you said that, and I went, "Oh, the help and the resources. Oh no, I don't want support. I want to be able to do it all myself." You know, so yeah. so <laughs> even with all of the knowledge and all of those things, there are little triggers. And what I love about what you just said is that you know when you know those things, then you can say, "I got this. I'm I'm okay right now. You're not being helpful." 
And I'm chuckling because what you're describing right now is pretty much my personal triggers. So when I first took on this belief, I basically had a challenge from one of my own coaches many, many moons ago who said to me, like, you know, you already are capable of getting through life. You know, you've moved many times. You started your own business. You've done all these things like you're a very capable person. So, you know, you need to learn to believe that you can and that you can get through whatever happens. So I took that belief that I just shared on in two stages. The first stage was exactly what you said, which was, I choose to believe that I can get through it, you know, but much to your point, I realized that for me and everyone's different. I realized that if I keep doing that, I'm going to be like the solo mountain climber, right? I'm just going to like, I'll get through it. Storms, things, you know, no, no, whatever, get the sharpest out of the way. I can do this by myself until you realize that. The second part of the belief is just as important as the belief in self, which is accepting help is vital. We've seen it in COVID. We've seen it in other times too. Like, you know, most people I know speak to a coach or a counselor or a therapist or something several times in their lifetime. And we need it, right? Because sometimes when when things aren't working or we're soldiering on, we have the blinders up so high that we can't see the thing that someone could help us with that could remove most of the stuff we're going through or help us manage it. So I chuckle because I totally like you and it still triggers me at times today, but I just choose to take the belief on fully and believe it 99% of the time. And then there's that one time where my inner voice is like, meh, you can do it yourself. You don't have to ask for help. So yeah, Rest assured, I I totally get where you're coming from. That's why I had to do the two-step approach. I'm like, I'm not ready for the full thing quite yet. I'll start with half. Yeah, yeah. And I think think for me, um, my way around that is to just not overthink it. It's just, I don't know how to do this, and I don't know how to find out how to do this. Mm -hmm. Time to ask for help. And I, if I if I pause at that moment, then I I will talk myself out of it, and I'll find something else to do, and I'll procrastinate and do all of those things. So as soon as I hit that bit of how do I do this? I don't know. How do I find yeah. out? I don't know. Time to ask for help. And and it, it might that inner voice doesn't get a chance to, mm. to jump in there. That's 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 just my. Uh, I just ignore all of the rest. So I love your two step two step approach. You know that that asking for help or accepting help is vital. And I think you know the the mountain climber with the Sherpas is a great example of that. It's yeah. the it's the mountain climber that gets all the glory and look they did all this by themselves. You know we we just had the Olympics this year and we watch all that and they, aren't they amazing? There is a full team behind them. You know, hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's the team behind that notices that. Uh, if you run for another half a mile on that ankle, you're going to get really hurt. Or, you know, like it's the team around us that can see the things that we can't. And to tie it back slightly to career transitions as well, um, I go through a process with a lot of clients where we actually look for feedback, not just in their workplace, but in their personal life. So I ask them to go and get feedback on a couple of particular areas from friends, from family, from people who are not part of their working world, because those people are often the ones that can give us a lot of help and support with our career transition without us realizing that that is what they're doing. So giving you permission to follow the dream, like, you know, your dad making the decision to go back to uni obviously had, even if your mom didn't fully endorse it or whatever, like she obviously got on board and let him do it and, you know, supported him through it. So I think you know, the the confidence comes from believing in yourself, but that team around you and inevitably remembering for people like you and me who are like, I can do it by myself, is also to know that you're also, whether you know it or not, on somebody else's team. You're somebody else's Sherpa. And and they would be, they would not be where they are if you weren't there for them. So I think that's the beautiful thing about running online businesses and having these beautiful communities where we randomly enter people's living rooms that you know <laughs> via zoom is is that that is available to us now so i think that's a really beautiful part of connection and the ability to believe that you can accept support because we hear it all the time you know accepting support is the strongest you know it's the most vulnerable it's just you know true strength and so many people like i used to believe like nah you know that's a weakness why would you accept help you know like you know have you really tried everything are you sure <laughs> so yeah it's uh it's quite fascinating sorry that was a slight <laughs> slight no, sideway but somewhat no, related <laughs> it, it is related and I think 
you know, coming back to this whole bit about having the team around you and being part of somebody else's team is, is such a beautiful thing to recognize as well. And mm. a lot of us are the ambulance or the rec or the rescuer. And, you know, we we're on everybody else's team. And then, yeah. and then if we, if we don't accept help and have other people on our team, then, then at some point it'll come unraveled. But, mm. you know, coming back to, because you mentioned this at the beginning as well about having people around you who support your transition in your career. Mm. So what happens if people don't have that? And I hear this a lot with people starting online businesses where they'll say, people around me are just not on board. You know, my family, my friends, they think I'm crazy. They don't understand all of those kind of things. What, mm. what do you, how do you approach when somebody just doesn't have the support? It, they're, they're connected with quite a toxic bunch of team members. Mm. Well, that's a great question. And, and it happens a lot. And it's that classic thing, right? You know, the five people you have around you the most will, you know, for, uh, largely form, you know, your happiness levels, your income levels, all sorts of things, right? So the two things I would say, um, the two things I recommend a lot to clients is, A, choose your quote unquote inner circle for now. So, you know, like I'm sure you've seen Lord of the Rings or The Hobbits, you know, and they sit around the table and they plan the big quest, you know. So I kind of talk to people about a career transition. It's kind of the same. Like you need a couple of people around your table to pack the bags and get all the stuff ready. And and they're not going to walk the whole way with you, but they're going to help you with different things. So you could have, you know, people who are really inspiring and stuff like that. Now, if you don't know those people yet, you can have people on your team that you've never met, like Brene Brown, the famous author and podcaster is on my team. She'll never know me from a bar of soap. I hope to chat to her one day. But at this point, she's still one of those inspirations around my table because I'm like, she's really inspiring. I'm going to connect with her, listen to her. Um, you know, someone starting an online business, it might be really cool to look at other influencers that you really gel with, like a Simon Sinek or whomever really inspires you, famous or not. Um, and when you start to have people like that around you, you start to listen to different language, your belief system about what's possible starts to change in a healthy way, because let's not fake, you know, no one's an overnight success. I think we all know that. <laughs> I think we all know that, you know, true success comes from A, identifying what true success is for you, not for somebody else. And secondly, repeated effort. You know, that's how we get there. The second really important thing about what you just shared about the toxic people in our life um, is to use something that I call the bench and to continue using sports metaphors, right? So a team can be pretty big, but not everyone will play every match. So there are times when you've got someone, let's say hypothetically, you've got a parent who's very critical of your online business idea. Um, first of all, I'd ask myself, do they know anything about the thing you're trying to do? If they genuinely don't, then what the heck are you doing listening to their voice for? You know, like they love you and they want to protect you, but their love and care is coming out in such a way that it's not helpful. So ask yourself, first of all, have they done this? And second of all, is there the form that they're trying to support me right now? Is that helpful for me? If it's not actually helpful, because it can be good in some instances to have a devil's advocate to go, hey, have you thought about blah, blah, or, you know, it sounds like you're doing this, but have you looked at this other angle? But the key there is constructive. The devil's advocate role is only helpful if it's constructive. If it's not constructive and it's just mean, then you utilize the bench. So the bench is, I love you, but I am not going to listen to you. You don't even have to tell them this, by the way. You can just bench them. Like they'll never know what match they're in anyway, so that's fine. So if you have someone in your life that you metaphorically need to go, thank you, I'm going to go send dad or whomever it is in your world, they're going to sit this one out. And I like to use the, to continue the metaphors, like I, I kind of feel like advice from people like that is kind of like when you get a really itchy knitted sweater for Christmas, you know, like the really ugly but really uncomfortable Christmas sweater. So advice can be a lot like that and you can choose to wear it and be really uncomfortable and crappy about it or you can go thank you so much for the sweater it's going to go in the back of my closet for a really long time and then maybe it'll get donated they don't need to know that <laughs> and if they're like oh have you followed my advice why are you not wearing the sweater you can literally go oh sorry it's at home somewhere da, da, da. thank you though thank you because in the end of the day you are the only one who's accountable to you so whether they go on the bench 
And simultaneously, because you can't just bench everyone in your life, right? You need to backfill that with some inspiration from elsewhere. But that inspiration does not have to come from people that you know. It can be other people that you just go and follow, go learn about, go to their webinars. Just be around people who believe that it's possible and try it. And if it fails, quote unquote, you have a learning opportunity, then you're fine. Either way, you're moving forward, which is probably better than being stuck. That's my general philosophy. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's wonderful advice. That's wonderful advice. And I think we've all had an itchy sweater. Oh, uh, so many itchy sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> and we've all been benched as well. If you think about it, you'd be like, hey, I've been benched a couple of times recently. Um, what, you know, and that might be some good feedback for you as well. But I think um, what's what I come across fairly regularly is young people who are kind of being forced into a career. So I mm. want you to be a doctor, or I want you to be a lawyer or, or whatever that is. Mm. Um, and I've had some, some personal experience around that. Um, mm. So I think that's why I attract that, that kind of conversation. And mm. it's, it can be very difficult. They're not even in mid career. They haven't even started their career yet. They're still studying for their career yet. And it, it can be a really difficult thing to bench your family where you do have to say, thanks, but no thanks. That mm. is not what I'm pursuing. I want to be a painter or an actor or whatever, yeah. you know, uh, which is miles away from, you know, sciences in, in, a, in that kind of um, family pressure. Mm. But um, I think, you know, being able to, to, to um, find your own way is, is a, an important a right, basically. Mm. Of, of each of us and I think when we uphold our rights when we are aware of our responsibilities to uphold others rights as well you know we that's where the itchy sweater comes in um and I'm so I'm gonna add a layer if I may yeah go for it please do the itchy sweater needs yeah. company <laughs> so the itchy sweater I'm sort of thinking if you really do have to wear the itchy sweater like you really mm. have to like they're like I'm here I'm in your house go put it on yeah like where yeah, is it you yeah, know exactly. i want to see it because <laughs> it's the whole thing of like yeah 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 it's at home works if you're if you're not at home true but if, true. You have yeah. to, but if you have to put on the itchy sweater and they're right there um i had a mother-in-law a bit like that uh where she'd be in your home going well where is it go get it i'd like to see you in it um <laughs> so then i'm sort of thinking you could always put like a soft t-shirt underneath it oh yeah Right, so it's not touching your skin. It's still it, it's still there. It's still on the outside. You know, we're still we're still doing the itchy sweater, but we also mm. have something for ourselves that is comfortable and soft and not itchy against our yeah. skin. And, Absolutely. And for me, that's kind of a you know, if you really are uh, or you were maybe, and now you're stuck in that career, and you know, we're back to the beginning of the conversation with all the the mortgage and so on. Then, then you know, it's it's still about having that like the soft t-shirt underneath it to just have that's yours, and mm. whether that's in your personal life or your work life or you know wherever you you want that that t-shirt mm. to be, then then that gives you you know something for you, and so. You know, I, I'm not going to say that you shouldn't go into the field that your family wants you to and all of those kind of things, because that's a, a very um, individual decision. Mm. But you still need to have the like the soft T-shirt under the itchy sweater that's just yeah. yours. Absolutely. And, you know, you could you could go as far as well to say, yeah, I'm going to wear the itchy sweater, but I'm going to put another thing over it. You know, I'm going to accessorize it with another hat or something. So like I'm thinking if you had a family member that was really pushy that you should go into law, I don't know, something, then you could go, that's interesting. Well, if I'm going to go explore law at uni, I might study human rights law. And they're like, no, 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 you should do blah, blah, litigation or something. And you're like, well, there's so many layers, right? So I couldn't possibly pick a pick a field, pick a niche until I've gone and explored and looked at, you know, the other things that's available. So I think I think it's the danger as well because I think what you said before is really really important. Like we've been all been benched, um, and often you know we mean well, right? We provide advice when people come to me and ask about how do I run an online business, what systems do I need? I'm pretty happy to provide them with a list of what I use, but I'm very often and I'm learning to bite my tongue sometimes to be like well what specific part of this do you want help with or where do you feel you know where do you feel you need support and, and help 
And I think specifically to the young listeners out there or anyone who has a young person in their life going, oh my gosh, have I forced a sweater on them? Have I, <laughs> have I harmed my young one? Then I would just say, look, life is really long and we have so many different, like I've changed careers. I studied political science at uni, ended up working in finance, then became an EA working as an executive assistant for high-end corporate, worked in media, ended up in marketing. Like I have done so many different things from the thing that I, I thought at uni that I'm definitely going to work in like local government back in Sweden. And here I am on the other side of the world running a career coaching business. So to, to the young people, I would say literally like it's going to change most likely a few times. You may stay in the same swimming pool. You know, some people do that. You know, they're like, yeah, I started there, but I'm switching lanes. But for a lot of us, like we, we you know, we go from the swimming pool to the bloody Mount Everest again. Right. So things change and things move and things evolve. So for those who have young, young ones in your life, let them go out and have that gap year or explore the thing. And if you're a young one who's like, I don't really know where I'm going, and you're probably like, don't call me a young one. I'm old enough to make decisions. You absolutely are. But go go try, go play, go explore, um, and pick something to start with because you can learn something. Like even when I worked in finance, which wasn't my favorite field, I had the best one of the best bosses I've ever had, and I learned to deal with really difficult leaders. So that was my learning, and that was my theme from finance and I will for, I will always treasure that even though a lot of the tasks weren't stuff that I do now except maybe some spreadsheets <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah I don't do spreadsheets I I am um, <laughs> structure and I I hear the structure coming out in you and I admire that and that's that's why I always appreciate a conversation with you because that gives me some food for thought about, mm, yeah, I should, I should have a little bit more structure. I shouldn't be totally uh, improvising. But um, I, I think it's great advice that um, I, uh, you, you triggered a memory for me, my um, son who's 26 now, when he graduated with his, his um, undergraduate degree, he, they were all standing there saying, what are we gonna do now? Mm -hmm. And my husband had just passed away uh, a few months earlier and I was going, I know, right? What are we gonna do now? And the look on their face was kind of like, well, <laughs> no, you've got your business. You've got it all figured out. You've, you, you've got your mm. career. And, and I, but I was starting all over again in so many ways. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, and then I, confidence recovery wasn't even a concept. And, you know, it, it, I just think that we look to the young people and say, oh, well, you have to decide what you're gonna do with your life. You don't have to decide forever right? That itchy sweater is going to, it, it, it's going to fall apart eventually, especially if you pick yeah. up in that. But yeah, I think, I, I mean, I feel like we have a book in us about the itchy sweater. We need to collaborate. On I feel like we do. Yeah. I've used it before, but you've added another layer, which I love. Uh, no pun I'm, intended. I'm all about accessorizing. <laughs> I'm all about kind of, you know, unpicking some of the threads and see what happens. Yeah. yeah. That's a whole thing. So, I want to come to, so we talked about confidence and we talked about failure and we talked about transition. I want to talk a little bit about cabaret now. Mm. Um, because, and this is the point when you're like, what? We did not discuss this. Bring it in. No, I love it. Okay. All right. So yes, I actually dance salsa. So I have a little bit of cabaret in me. A little bit. Okay. <laughs> okay. Tell me a little bit about your dancing. What kind of dancing? Uh, well, I got into Latin dancing. Um, when I lived overseas, that's a connection point to kind of get to know people and stuff like that. So I, uh, yeah, long story short, I walked into a Cuban salsa club in Manchester in the UK of all places. And this Cuban guy was like, do you want to learn to salsa? I was like, sure. And then I started to do lessons. And then that's how I met a lot of, of friends when I moved to Sydney as well, which was really fun. So I think dancing is for me at least, and I don't know what it represents for you. It's just a really creative expression and just like flow. Like when you have good dancing flow, especially in Latin dancing, when you dance with a partner. Yeah, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. I, I haven't it. done enough of it recently. Thank you, COVID. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And But you still have that. And you can still, you know, put on some music and, you know, play mm. in your kitchen and, and, you know, whatever you, however you want to do it. Um, I have no rhythm. And I don't remember choreography or steps. <clears throat> so... As a paid professional dancer, it, that's a weird thing for me to say. And so I love it. <laughs> you're at the opposite end of the spectrum to me. And 
and and if you think about our conversation where I've been like, yeah, I got rid of structure. It didn't suit me. <laughs> you, know, you, obviously, you, obviously, you obviously follow the steps. You obviously follow a partner if you're dancing. <laughs> so I, I adore that this is another area where we're yeah. on the same spectrum, but in such different places. Okay, yeah. so, you, so in cabaret, you can have a, a partner. A cabaret for me is is performing but in a small venue so um you can see all of your audience you can really connect with that energy it's it's very different to something being in a huge theater and you know mm. you've got thousands of people um, you can still perform those same kind of cabaret style but it is no longer cabaret it it's theatric mm. effectively mm. you know um, and so, and so with cabaret, it's very intimate because you are very much connected. Um, and there's, there's often, you know, so, some, some cabaret shows are, you know, they're all burlesque or they're all drag or they're all, you know, a thing, they're, they're all aerial or whatever. But I prefer the kind of style where there's a mix and, you know, some are singing and some are dancing and some are mm. um, doing, all, you know, comedy and all different sorts of things and a combination of things. And mm. um, so if you, so, and you don't have your salsa partner with you or your Latin mm -hmm. dancing partner with you. So what would you perform if you were performing in cabaret, I mean? Oh my gosh. And you could still do something Latin. I, I dare say there would be some Latin rhythms coming out. Um, interestingly, though, I for for a salsa dancer, I don't really love choreography either. I think that's why I love Cuban dancing, Cuban salsa, because it's very you just flow, you just kind of go with it. So I, I dare say I've been um, I've been loving the Encanto, the Disney's Encanto um, rhythms. Um, so if you ask me right now what I would perform, um, I might do my take on there's, you know, we need to talk about Bruno or whatever that one's called that everyone's singing. Um, and who knows, maybe I would go and grab myself a partner from the crowd and, you know, co-create something. Who knows? <laughs> maybe I'd find oh, Bruno. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I think I, I, and I, I, I didn't appreciate that, that Cuban dancing is more kind of free flow. That, that Much that's more free flow. So in salsa specifically, because Cuban dancing or Cuban salsa specifically, and sorry for any Cubans listening who feel like I've totally butchered this dancing, but for me, how I was introduced to it by a Cuban was that it's the flow and the closeness. And it's there's not a plan. There's a couple of steps that you use to build your flow, but you can mix them however you want. Whereas um, some of the other styles of salsa can be a lot more showy, a lot more sparkles, if you will. And even though I think it's beautiful and it suits a lot of dancers, it was just not like, you know, I'll never be the dirty dancing lift woman <laughs> in my dancing. So, so you, there's a huge amount of trust in your partner, right? Yeah. Because you're following a partner if you're not leading or you're leading mm. a partner if you follow, you know, it's, it, mm. it's, um, it's a very interesting dynamic because you're giving over that kind of control or your accepting that control um and 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 being in sync with another person is a huge amount of trust it is and it's funny as well because i think it's something that's really helpful to be reminded of and for me dancing because i grew up dancing you know like folk dancing and and ballroom dancing and all sorts of different things like my family was quite always quite musical and we either got the dancing gene or the musical gene and i got the dancing gene so that's fine um but I remember, um, I remember when I was younger, I would often try to steer the guy and like almost like show the guy where he needed to go and kind of make him look good. And funnily enough, I think early on in my corporate life, it was a little bit like that as well. You know, you kind of steer the people to make them look good. And, you know, and I think in the end of the day, and I think confidence, confidence comes down to this a lot, is that you've got, you've got to trust at some point, because if you fight first of all, pick, pick someone who doesn't seem like a jerk, you know, <laughs> pick someone who seems nice enough to spend the dancing time with. And secondly, just, just trust. And it's funny because it's almost like muscle memory. Cause if you, if you know how to trust in some instances, like I know how to trust a good dance partner, then I can transfer that into other areas as well, including trusting my judgment, right? Because picking a job or picking 
your professional career or picking a lane of the next step you're going to go down. It's very similar to that. And it was funny because I hadn't danced salsa. I can't believe we're talking about this. This is so funny. I hadn't danced salsa for years. And then um, I think it was in December time, a few friends of mine, we went out for drinks for the first time in ages, you know, things had eased off a little bit. And this, we stumbled on this salsa dancing class. And, um, you know, at the bar that we were at, totally random in, in central Melbourne. And the guy at the front who was instructing the class, he it took him a minute or two and he's like, hey, you there, can you come up here? I, I want you to show some things with me. And it was so funny because this lady, she was like, you know her, this is all planted. No, 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 no. She got all like, actually got upset because um, he showed a couple of moves and he's like, no, no, no. The reason this is working is because A, she knows the basic rhythm and B, she trusts me. And it was a really interesting experience. And my friends who know that I dance, but they haven't seen me dance before, they were like, what just happened? <laughs> and it was a beautiful learning moment, like you said, about the trust piece, because you have to, you have to trust that the other person is not going to harm you and they're not going to make you look foolish and they're not there to make you a failure. They're there to have a good time, you know, and connect. Exactly. And I think it translates into many other areas in life too, but... Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. I mean, that's for me, that's where the confidence through cabaret comes in. A lot of times people think, oh, we're going to learn how to do cabaret. And yeah, I do workshops on, you know, on the, on the website and, you know, and, and I'm always happy to do a, a, a glove peel of things because I think it's important to feel good in our bodies and, mm. but, but it is an analogy to life. And so, and mm. so for me, that the, the performance is an analogy to, to so many things and I mm. love that you've shared that that trusting because that's what we've been talking about right is mm. you know, having the people around you that you try I'm, I'll tell you what Emmy I'm interested I'm gonna read your blog post for like the next six months because I feel like the material in this is is just like we're just yeah. pulling out all kinds of stuff it's fabulous yeah. um okay so you're you're there you're going to perform you might pull somebody up from the audience if you can find somebody that that connects with that trust what one prop would you want with you? Mm. I'm picturing some kind of like an armchair, like something like, I don't know why, but I, I got this, I'm very visual and I got this, this visual of like a really old school, but beautiful chair, like maybe some like velvety action or something. I don't know. Like to have like something to work around, work the moves around. Yeah, not sure why, but there you go. I go with instinct on these things. <laughs> but that's fabulous because you can make so many shapes with it. You can yeah. put a person on it. You can be yeah. on it. You got fun. Yeah. And fabulous. it's like sturdier than, you know, like a one of those small chairs. So, yeah. Think so. Something sturdy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trust me, I, I have, I have danced on many folding chairs, and if you put your hand in the wrong place, it will fold. If you're right on it, so, so I love that you've, you've thought this through very practically, but also the, the deliciousness of the, the velvet. It's just, yeah. Know, I'm picturing red, dark red velvet. I don't know why. Um, for you. Yeah, I, I'm kind of yeah, like the dark red or a deep pink or yeah, some, some kind of yeah. Nice. ironically feminine feminine colors yeah beautiful okay and so you're you're about to perform this this latin salsa piece that may have a partner you've got your velvet chair and you're about to go on stage what is your stage name they're gonna say please welcome to the stage The name that comes to mind is Priscilla, which is really funny because I saw Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, not long ago. So I don't know if that's why it's coming to me, but yeah, I'm going to go with Priscilla then. I, Priscilla love that. Name. <laughs> I love that because, you know, I mean, if you take Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, which is which is a, a fabulous movie anyway, but there's, yeah. there's a huge amount about, you know, kind of. Um, when you talk about drag and you talk about performing, there is a facade right mm. and that that facade is kind of what you're creating and the illusion that you're creating mm. and 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 just, there's an anonymity to it as well that you get to preserve the parts that you don't choose to share uh, with your audience mm. uh, 
but then there's, you know, if you come back to the movie, then there's a whole thing about being authentic and expressing yeah. stuff for who you truly are. So I yeah. love Priscilla for you. That's yeah. fabulous. I'll roll with Priscilla for this, for this performance. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so I talk a lot about using that stage name and that may change for you, but um, uh, using that stage name as a very different voice to the ones that we've been talking about with what I call the imposter voice, you know, that one, who are you mm -hmm. to do this or the soloist or, you know, all these different, different inner critics that, that we have in our heads um, is to being able to say, you know, I'm Priscilla, damn it. I'm doing this. Like mm -hmm. I am fearless, fierce, powerful, and strong. Yeah, absolutely. And that voice, whatever you want to call that voice, very often people will say, oh, I can't call myself, you know, Queen Priscilla because that's too, you know, that would be too egotistical. And it's not. If that's what it is, yeah. if there's a queen or a whatever, you know, whatever that voice is, is being able to talk to that voice when mm. you need that confidence or momentum or inner power to come out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, all the voices that we all have different voices in our mind that come in and control things for us, whether we like to admit it or not. And we spend a lot of time listening to those voices. So I love what you're saying to actually reclaim it and I, I work with clients in a similar way to you know when that thing comes up for you or or you know when you have a belief come up about what you're able to do or not do how would you like to respond instead and then quite often people will go oh well I don't want to do or I don't want to say or I don't want to attract blah blah and I'm like great so what would you like instead what what does that look like what's the other side of that and I love what you're saying about the Priscilla in my case or or you know, for, for whatever it is for somebody else, you know, you have that in you already. So when it comes to the whole confidence piece, it's, it's more around not projecting what other people think of Priscilla or whatever that is for them. And literally just going, well, you know, Priscilla, Priscilla and I, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to dance. And, you know, if, I think Brene Brown says this beautifully, it's that whole, you know, the, you know, if you're not in the arena, dancing or if you're not willing to go on stage yourself I'm not going to listen to your advice because if you're not willing to be that person for yourself why should I take your advice on this um, and we all hurt we all have pain we all have stuff um, and we all have like you say we all have a Priscilla that needs to come out and dance and I wish for my biggest passion and the reason I do what I do is I hate to see people waste years and years and years of their life not leaning into what they really want makes me very sad so that's why i'm like we can do better <laughs> more priscilla <laughs> yeah yeah and that's why you do what you do yeah 100 percent. and that's why the bridge coaching is 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 born yeah yeah Oh, I mean, I've loved this conversation. We could talk for hours, really. I'm, yeah, it's been fabulous. And we yeah. will. What, um, where can people find you? So the best way is to head over to thebridgecoaching.com.au. All one word. So thebridgecoaching.com.au. Uh, you can either book a free chat with me. I have clients all over the world, <laughs> which is the beauty of, you know, this new global way of working we talked about earlier. And I'm also on most of the socials, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera. But the website is a great place to start. Um, we can put that in the show notes if you like as well. Yeah, yeah please, please do send me your links. Um, just if you're listening to this on podcast, you should... <clears throat> Pardon me. You should know that we uh, also have a video version on Confidence Through Cabaret YouTube channel. Check out the vodcast playlist and you'll find Emmy and I. Uh, if you're watching this on uh, YouTube, then you can also listen on audio anywhere you get your podcast is Confidence Through Cabaret. So uh, Emmy Peterson is E-M-M-Y. Uh, as it sounds, and I'm just trying to read the screen because yeah, I em Emmy like the Emmy Award, and then Peterson, P E T E R S S O N. It's the Scandinavian double S that everyone goes, What's that about? I'm yeah, like, Yeah, that's why I was like glaring at the screen. I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. on. is that two S's or am I just like yeah. fully hallucinating? So, yes, yeah, yeah. so two S's in Peter's son. So, it's all one word, that's Peter's right. son. Uh, and the bridge coaching. So go and check out Emmy's work. You also have a YouTube channel. Yes, I do. Which is called? 
uh it's just the bridge coaching uh on youtube as well and yeah if you head to the website you will find um i'll send you all the links um heather and you can put them up if you like but yes. on the bottom of the website thebridgecoaching.com.au you have all the social links there at the bottom but i do have a fair bit of videos um on all sorts of things relating to career or or things like that um as well so yeah this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It's been like we could talk for ages. <laughs> and it's and it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's all organic. You know, we we yeah. didn't plan any of it. We kind of had a like a a starting point, and then and then off we've gone in several mm. directions. And now we're collaborating on a book about the itchy sweater. So totally, <laughs> totally love it. The layers, the things, the hat. It's going to be great. Oh, what an ensemble. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. It is such Thank a pleasure you. to have you. Um, and I have no doubt that, I, in fact, I would love to have a conversation again, you know, once, because you've transitioned into the bridge coaching full time now. And then we I would love to be able to to have you back and catch up with you and 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 talk more as as your as your uh, business expands and takes over the world. Oh yeah, love to. I'm sure it's going to change shapes many times, just like most career transitions do as well. So yeah, no, I I absolutely love that. It's been such a privilege to be here, and I hope that the people listening got some good value out of it. And you know, yeah, go out and play. Yeah. Unleash your Priscilla's. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Go out and play all day. Yes. Thank you again, Emmy. It Thank just you. remains for me to um, to say that we, you can connect with us. Uh, Emmy's details will be in the show notes. Uh, we are Confidence Through Cabaret on all of the socials except for Twitter. We are at YBYWYS. Uh, I am on Clubhouse at Heather YBYWYS. And those six beautiful little letters stand for, it is your body and it is your world and it is your stage. Take up space unapologetically and own it. It feels so good. Thank you for being here. Bye for Thank now. You.